Good morning, Christ Church family. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. Um, everybody rest well last night? Uh, who rested well? Raise your hand. All right, well, that's the most of us, so that's good. Um, can you hear me okay? All right, awesome. Uh, so uh, our lead minister, uh, our preaching minister, Tim, uh, he was on vacation this past week. He, he and the family were in the chocolate capital of the world. I mean, Hershey, PA, Hershey, Pennsylvania. And uh, I don't know if uh, you guys have talked to Tim this morning. Uh, I'm sure he's had some stories from, from the week, maybe. Did you get some golf in? Oh. One, one time? All right, well, that's important. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but hey, I, Lance Pippen, uh, I get to share the message with you this morning in this What If series. So are you ready? Yes. All right, well, that, that's great to hear. Um, who remembers the name of this series that we're in? What if? what if? Let's say that again. Who remembers the name of the series that we are in? What if? What if? All right, that, that's right. Uh, so this series is all about the truth. Say truth. All right, it's about five truths that people in this world are denying. And with these five truths, if you don't believe them, there will be some consequences. Um, in the first week of this series, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Tim taught on what if Jesus is the only way to heaven. Last week, Dennis Crehan taught on what if the devil was real. And today, I get the privilege to, uh, to talk to y'all about what if there's a heaven and a hell. Whoa! Heaven and hell. Now, these, two, uh, these, these are two big-time places. Big-time places on the other side of this life, of this earthly life. And there's going to come a day where we end up in one of these two places. In the year 2021, just two years ago, Pew Research Center, and that's Pew, P-E-W, Pew Research Center did a survey where they asked 6,485 American adults. That's a pretty specific number, right? 6,485 American adults if they believed in these two places, heaven and hell. 73% of those folks believed that there's a heaven, but only 62% of those folks believed in hell. So this morning, we gather to reflect upon a fundamental truth that has captivated the hearts and the minds of humanity throughout the ages, and that is the reality that there's a heaven and there's a hell. So the big idea this morning is heaven and hell, they are real. You want to live in one and the other you don't. So that's a big idea this morning. While we can't provide tangible evidence to satisfy our curious minds as human beings, we can explore the profound implications of their, talking about both heaven and hell's, existence, we can explore the profound implications of their existence. So first of all this morning, let's talk about the magnificence 
of heaven. According to Webster's Dictionary, heaven is defined among Christians, the part of space in which the omnipresent Jehovah, which is God, is supposed to afford more sensible manifestations of his glory. Hence, this is called the habitation of God and is represented as a residence of angels and blessed spirits. Heaven, the place, it represents the fulfillment of our deepest longings and the ultimate real realization of God's promises. It's a place of unsurpassed beauty. In the back of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, Revelation uh, 21 and 22, the Apostle John, uh, he was given a vision of heaven. And in these two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22, we see what heaven will look like for us, talking about its beauty. Heaven, it shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Heaven's walls are made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The 12 foundations of the city's walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. Nothing impure will ever enter it. There's a river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Doesn't these descriptions of heaven's beauty sound awesome? More gorgeous, I think, than any destination here in, on planet Earth. Better even than that tropical island destination that some of you have ever been on or want to go on. Heaven's going to be such a great place. It sounds very delightful. Heaven is also a place of joy and perfect communion with our creator. Let me ask you guys a question. Who is our creator? God. And let me ask you all this morning, who wants to be united with God? Romans 6, 5 says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verses 16 through 17, we're actually going to look at this passage again later on, but here's the first time. But it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we all who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord. We will be united with the Lord forever. 
this realm, heaven. It signifies an eternal dwelling in the presence of God himself. Did you catch that? It signifies that an eternal dwelling in the presence of God himself. Let that sink in. It's a realm, it's a place where we intimately know and we experience God's boundless love, his grace, and also his glory. All the limitations and the barriers we encounter in this earthly life will be transcended. And we will find ourselves fully united with the source of all goodness and all holiness. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 4, or chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. We're going to be united with God. We're going to be united with his son, Jesus. Jesus is building a room for me and for you. A place for you and I. Don't you want to check out that place? That room that he's building? Don't you want to be united with Jesus and his father, God, our creator, in such a place. Hey, also in heaven, um, there, there's going to be harmony and there's going to be restoration. Harmony and restoration there. Heaven embodies a world of perfect harmony where all brokenness and pain are healed and they are reconciled. Did you catch that? Heaven is a place where all brokenness and all pain, they're going to be healed and they're going to be reconciled. Who needs some of that in your life right now? Pain is gone. Brokenness is gone. Man, I'm ready for heaven just with that phrase right there. Heaven is a place where tears are wiped away, where injustice and suffering have no place. In the embrace of God's mighty love, we will experience the fullness of redemption and also restoration. Back in January of this calendar year, back in January 2023, the youth group started a whole semester worth of lessons on the story, our story as human beings. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I've, I'm the youth minister here at Christ Church, so just a tidbit there. Um, but uh, on the sixth day of creation, God made us, man and woman, he made us, human beings, humankind. He allowed man and woman to roll over and enjoy the luxury of this particular garden with the name of Eden. 
And youth group students, if you're here for youth group on Sunday nights back in January and early February, I want you to help me out this morning. I'm going to see if you know this, but the garden was what? What word starts with a G? What is it? Good. It's good. Say good. good. The garden was good. Everything there in that garden was good. I would probably argue and say it was great. It was luxurious, like I said before. It was a place where Adam and Eve intimately knew God's boundless love, his grace, and his glory. Eden was paradise here on earth. It's hard nowadays for us as human beings to think about or fathom even such a place where no wrong occurred, where there was no pain, there was no tear in the eye. Death was unheard of. Mosquitoes did not bite you. There was no slander. There was no back talk. No one pulling out in front of you when you're driving down the road. Everything was just good. Things were perfect. And we all know what changed things there in that garden. Two bites from a forbidden fruit changed everything. Say everything. For Adam and Eve, and ultimately for us. But hey, Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus left the splendor of his Father's kingdom to restore things and to reconcile us back to his Father. Through the cross, through the resurrection, we have a chance to go back to paradise. That place, the new Eden, if you will, is heaven. And it's the place that I've been talking about this morning. Let's read some promises about heaven. We read about its beauty earlier. But let's read about some promises from heaven and how it's a place of harmony and also restoration. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 33 and verse 24, and this is from the ESV version. It says, and no inhabitant will say, I am sick. No one will say that there. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. They'll be forgiven of their sin. Revelation 22 and verse 3 says this, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Revelation 7 16 through 17 says this, never again, keywords, never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
Revelation 21 and verse 4 says this. Again, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. What great promises. Amen? Yeah. Heaven will be a place that no one is sick, where no one is hungry. Some of you guys may be hungry right now, and you're like, Lance, let's hurry this up. I'm ready to go to a restaurant. Hey, in heaven, you won't have hunger. <laughs> no one will thirst there. It will not be hot, and we know all about this, living in a humid eastern North Carolina summer. It'll be a place where there are no more tears, no pain, no mourning, for death will be gone. Like in the original garden, talking about Eden, things will be good. And to finish talking about the magnificence of heaven, let's talk about eternal communion. Heaven is a realm where we will join the company of believers from all generations, all throughout history. We will be united not only with God, but with loved ones who have gone before us in faith, forming an internal community of worship, of love, and fellowship. Together, we will eternally glorify God praising his name day after day, day in, day out, without end. Who's lost someone in this room? Raise your hand, through death. Were they a believer? And let me ask this question. Are you looking forward to the day when you get to see him or her again? You know, I know personally I've lost folks, I've lost family members, I've lost friends. And I know in my lifetime I'm going to lose others. But you know what? <laughs> I'm looking forward to the day when I'm reunited with them in heaven. And, and, and where those folks and myself and all people will be worshiping God day in and day out without end. Who's ready to do that? Hey, let's look at uh, that first Thessalonians passage one more time. Chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So everybody will meet the Lord together, united in, in the clouds, in the air. Also, Isaiah 66 and verse 22 says this, As a new heaven and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants also endure. Generations upon generations will be united in heaven as long, get this, as long as they were or are in 
Christ. We remember them in this life. It's almost like a reflection. But in heaven, we will see these folks face to face. What else are we going to do there in heaven, in this paradise, the new Eden? Besides seeing and, and being united with those who have, we have lost through death, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to worship. Um, hey, I'll tell you guys, uh, this isn't part of my notes today, but I know Cruz and our praise team, they do a great job, don't they? Let, let's give it up for them this morning. And this is a plug. Hey, don't forget, tonight we have a worship night at 6.30. Or at 6, 6 o'clock. Yeah, 6, uh, here at the church. So come out for that. Um, but I, I'll tell you a conference I went to one time. Uh, this conference goes on most years. But has anybody ever heard of the Passion Conference? Or the Passion Church? Uh, it started, uh, I think, actually out in Texas, but now its home is in the Atlanta, Georgia area. But um, this particular conference, it goes on, like I said, most years, but it's for mostly college-age people, 18 to 25 years of age, okay? And uh, at this conference, uh, they bring in the top speakers, the top authors in the Christian faith today. They also have big-time worship artists and leaders that come in and provide the worship and the music during this conference. But the last time I personally was able to go, um, it was held in the old Georgia Dome, the old home of the Atlanta Falcons. But uh, that particular year, 2013, um, there were close to 70,000 people, 18 to 25 years of age, with their leaders and with volunteers. That stadium was packed on the floor and in all the levels of it. But I tell you guys, during the worship, <laughs> seeing multiple hands up in the air, praising God, to me, that was just a little taste, a little taste of what I think heaven will be like. It was great. Let me read this next passage for y'all. It's Revelation 7, uh, verses 9 and 10. It says, after uh, John the Apostle, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. You know, I just talked about 70,000 people. If it was up to me, I think I would lose count after 500. And that might be a little much. But John says here, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God 
who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Man, heaven sounds like a great place. And I want to be there, and my friends, I hope you want to be there as well. It's going to be great to unite with our Heavenly Father. It's going to be great to be in a place where there's harmony and restoration and everything. Remember, my word is good. And what a time it'll be to enjoy eternal communion with lost loved ones and everyone who has put their faith and their hope in Christ Jesus. We've talked a bunch about heaven this morning and the reality of it. Whew. I got to do that. I got to sigh because that is such a good place. I want to I be there one day. But we got to talk about another place too. We also need to talk about, and this is my second point this morning, let's talk about the seriousness of hell. Like I did with heaven, let me tell you how Webster's Dictionary defines hell. It says, the place or state of punishment for the wicked after death. The place of the dead or of souls after death, the lower regions or the grave, called in Hebrew Sheol, and by the Greeks, Hades. Hell, the place, the Bible calls it the place of souls of the wicked, a fiery furnace, a place of unquenchable fire a place where there's weeping and the gnashing of teeth, a place of no rest, a place of condemnation, a place of destruction. Hell will be a place of eternal suffering, a lake of burning sulfur and outer darkness. Hell represents the, the consequences of rejecting God's love and choosing a path contrary to his divine purpose. While contemplating hell may evoke discomfort, it is a reminder of the significance of our choices and the urgency to embrace God's salvation, the salvation that only comes through his son, Jesus Christ. Going to hell, that place, it means separation from God or being separated from God. Hell signifies external separation from the presence of God. It is a state of existence where things like darkness, things like isolation, things like despair, these three, three, three things reign in hell. The absence of God's love and goodness leaves a void that, that, you know, can be filled. 
It's a perpetual longing that which can never be obtained or attained. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, they, talking about those who have been sentenced to hell, will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Matthew 13, verses 49 through 50 says this, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't sound too good to be separated from God and his presence, his glory. It does not sound great. When thinking about hell too, you know, we must think about accountability and we must think about justice. The existence of hell underscores the reality of divine justice. It reminds us that God is holy and God is righteous and all of our actions have eternal consequences. Hell stands as a sovereign reminder that God will hold every individual accountable. Myself, every single one of us, people in the past, present, and people coming in the future for their choices and their actions, ensuring justice is served. That's what God is going to do. You know, with this in mind, I think about what Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who, who do the work that does the work of my, uh, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, your, and also in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Jesus says, then I will tell these people plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Be reminded of this now. July 16th, 2023. Be reminded of Jesus' words now. You definitely don't want to be reminded by hell itself. There's accountability and there's justice. Watch your choices. Watch your actions. Because on the other side of this life, justice will be served. Justice will be served. And lastly, talking about hell. The potential existence of this particular realm compels us to take salvation seriously. Say salvation. salvation. We need to take that seriously. We need to think of salvation and also compassion when we think about the realm of hell. 
When we think of salvation and hell, it urges us, or it should urge us, to embrace the grace and the forgiveness offered only through Jesus Christ, as Tim talked about a couple weeks ago in this first week of this sermon series. Jesus has provided the only way to everlasting life, and I'm talking about that eternal and everlasting life in heaven. Jesus Christ, the only way to get there. Let's have deep compassion for all people. Have you ever led someone to Jesus? To a relationship with Christ? That's great if you have. That's awesome. We don't want anyone to be denied entry into heaven and have to spend eternity in hell. We don't want anyone to go there. If you haven't led someone to Jesus, let me challenge you today to start doing so. There's a lot of lost people in this world. And it's going to maybe, for most cases, it's going to take some baby steps to win these people for Jesus. But if you're not doing so currently, let me encourage you and challenge you to try to start today. And if you have led someone to Jesus before, don't stop. Keep up the good work. You know, having compassion for others, it should motivate us to share the gospel, the good news of Christ, the good news of Jesus, and extend God's love to a broken world. Because I know that outside of this building, outside of our doors, there's a broken world. Here in Greenville, here in our state of North Carolina, in this country, the United States of America, and my friends, this entire world is broken. And we need to find compassion and have compassion for those who don't know Jesus yet as their personal Lord and Savior. You know, for those folks, hell is waiting for them. I hate to even say that, but that's the reality. I don't want to see these folks there. And I hope you don't either. Revelation 20 and verse 15 says this, Anyone whose name was not found in the book of life, also known as the book that holds the names of all of us who have been saved and have a relationship with Jesus in it. They, the ones that don't have their name in the book of life, Revelation says, was thrown into the lake of fire. Man, that sounds tough. Let's have compassion on folks. People need Jesus. I don't want to see anybody thrown into that lake or be sentenced to hell. What a contrast this morning. Two different places, two different realms in the afterlife. It takes a lot out of you thinking or talking about heaven and hell. 
as I mentioned in the big idea this morning, I want to end up in one of these places and not the other. I want to end up in heaven, not hell. And my friends, I hope you feel the same way. In the year 1971, famous artist and famous Beatle, John Lennon, he wrote and performed a song called Imagine. Who knows the song? A song climbed to the top of the charts after its release, and it's still a beloved song today by many. A lot of people love that song. But at the start or the beginning of the song, it sends out a confusing or non-truthful message. Or maybe he's just encouraging, John Lennon's just encouraging the listen, listener to imagine those words. I mean, imagine is the name of the song. But the lyrics go, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us, only sky. Maybe John Lennon thought this. I'm sure many listeners of this song, they thought of this, they've imagined this, these four lines. Maybe they preach these four lines to other people. Imagine there's no heaven, no hell. My friends, this is not the truth. This thought, this vision, it's a lie. Heaven and hell, they are real places. They are real realms. And I hope today that you have seen, you have seen that both places are backed by Scripture. And to save time, I've only used a few Scripture references today. But hey, there's many, many more that you can go in the Bible and you can read about both heaven and you can read about hell. And this is key right here. But hopefully you know that the Bible is the word of God. And everything that we can read, that we've read this morning and we can read in other parts of it, and the whole book is the truth. Because it's the word of God. We need to think or imagine heaven. We need to do the same when it comes to hell. The contemplation of heaven and hell invites us to reevaluate our lives, our beliefs, and our priorities. It reminds us that our choices matter, both in this life and eternity, too. When we may not process concrete evidence of these two places, the significance of the question, what if there's a heaven and a hell, it should awaken in us a sense of purpose, of hope, and also urgency. So my friends, let us live each day with the awareness of eternity, seeking to align our lives with God's will and God's purpose. May we embrace the salvation offered only through Jesus Christ, extending his love and compassion to all those around us. And may the hope of heaven 
inspire us to pursue righteousness, knowing that our eternal destinies are held in the hands of a loving and a just God. In this contemplation, let us find encouragement and also motivation to live with purpose, to live with hope, and the assurance that our lives have eternal significance. Heaven and hell, they are real. What's your destination? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for these words. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that we know, God, that your word is the truth. And we thank you so much this morning for just the various scripture examples and the passages, God, that I was able to find this week and tell these folks here in the sound of my voice and watching online that there are two places, heaven and hell. They are real. And God, we, we want to be in one and not the other. So God, this morning I, I pray that we have a good idea of where we will end up. God, I pray every single person in this room and watching online, God, that we will all, like we talked about this morning, be united in heaven one day. God, we're gonna be united with you. We're gonna be united with your son. We're gonna be united with those who have, we have lost through death. God, we thank you for the beauty of your kingdom. I can't wait to worship with a magnitude that is so hard to count. Where we'll be worshiping you day in and day out. God, hell is, is such the opposite of that. Eternal separation from you. And the words that you have given me, God, to describe that place through your word. I just don't want to go there. And I pray these folks here today that they don't either. But God, we live in such a dark world. And I would just pray, God, from this challenge, from this message today, that we can go out and save the lost, to live in an, in, in, an eternity in heaven. And that we will not hear your son's words, depart from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. Be with us today, God. Be with our thoughts. Be with our hearts. That's my prayer.
We pray this in your name. Amen.